Hello and welcome to another episode of Football Talk Podcast. My name is Ozzy and I'm your host for today's show. So today I'll be doing my roundup of the last 16 in the Euro 2020s and boy, what an interesting round, um, full of surprises. Uh, my predictions in the last episode literally went out the window and I <laughs> didn't get most of them right at all. Um, but we can speak about the matches in more detail. So let's uh, speak about the first game, which was Wales and Denmark. So as you can see, big scoreline there from Denmark. I think that was a bit of a huge surprise for everyone um, as they produced a stellar performance. And unfortunately for Wales, they just couldn't handle the pressure or couldn't handle the the level of play that Denmark produced on the day. Um, the scoreline, to be fair, is a little bit harsh on Wales. I think I think they performed quite well, but that's um, international football day, in, I guess. The first goal came from Dolberg, so pretty much the, the forgotten man uh, for the Danish team, as he had sort of an up-down uh, time internationally, but also at club level as well. So good to see him start the game. And his first goal was a fantastic goal, uh, smashing the ball in the, into the corner. And then there's a player, Marley, um, who is the fullback for Denmark, who I've been really impressed by. Um, able to play left back. Uh, during this game, he actually switched to right back as well. Um, had a great chance in the first half. Um, went close, but unfortunately hit the side netting there. To kind of put my sort of Liverpool scout cap on right now, for me, if I was Liverpool, I would look for signing a player like Marley, actually, uh, with talks that Nico Williams might be leaving uh, the club in the summer. I feel like he'd be a fantastic player to play for the club. Um, he was actually signed by Atalanta last season in replacement of Castagna, who we all know plays for Leicester City. And similar type of players, right-footed, but they both play left-back and right-back with ease. So if I was Liverpool, that's the type of signing I'd like where both left-back and our right-back positions are covered, especially right-back where, for example, if Trent Alexander-Arnold wasn't able to play, we'd really struggle in that department. So, yeah, that's just a player that I've been really impressed with throughout the tournament. And I feel like someone maybe Liverpool could look into and sign in the summer. But back to the game, back to Euro 2020 here. Um, the second goal, Brathwaite uh, with a great run on the right-hand side, cuts the ball into the box, Poor clearance by Nico Williams, who I just mentioned earlier, uh, which unfortunately, as he made the clearance, goes towards Dorberg and he finishes it from close range. So, 2-0 up there, you're thinking Denmark comfortably uh, doing really well there. Wales maybe have a chance to sneak in, but it wasn't the case. The man that I just mentioned, Marley, uh, gets on the score sheet himself with a great goal. Beautiful chest control. Uh, cuts it back onto his left foot and smashes it into the goal. Fantastic goal from the fullback there. And then Marley was involved again uh, for the fourth goal. Uh, great cr uh, cross pass to Dolberg, who hits a through ball to uh, Brathwaite, and he finished it uh, re really well. Went to VAR, uh, but that was quickly decided um, to, to award uh, Denmark with the fourth goal there. So fantastic performance by Denmark, who have shown some really eye-catching moments and goals throughout the tournament. So I've been really impressed with them. Wales, unlucky to pretty much cement a challenge in this tie, but they've had some good moments um, in the tournament. So 
they should be proud of their performance and their participation in the competition. So heads held, held up high regardless uh, for, for, for Wales there. The next match was Italy uh, with Austria. So not as attacking or free-flowing as I would have expected. Um, not a lot of chances in the first 90 minutes either. So one of the highlights or one of the closest chances of breaking the scoreline was from Immobile, who, who smashed in a fantastic shot outside the area that hit the hit the, uh, the post. And I, I thought literally was in as soon as he shot it, but very unlucky not to score. Anatovic, who actually did score, um, he scored a great leaping header, but unfortunately that was ruled out by VAR. Uh, so cruel as it was very, very close, um, but nevertheless it was offside. So this match actually went into extra time. Italy opened the scoreline with uh, Spinozola producing a great cross for Chaser, uh, who smashed it in with his left foot. And Pessina uh, clinches the second goal for Italy with a left foot strike. So at this stage, you're thinking pretty much comfortable there for Italy to proceed and kind of see out the game. But Austria grabbed the consolation goal and it definitely made the last five to six minutes um, nerve-wracking for the Italian fans there. But nevertheless... Uh, they will manage to clinch the win and progress into the quarterfinals. So Italy, to be fair, have been the standout performers um, overall in this tournament. So not a surprise that they've gone through. I've uh, been really impressed with how they performed. So let's see how their quarterfinals uh, go into, which we'll speak about later on in the episode. So the next match for me, which, which was a very big surprise, was Netherlands losing to Czech Republic 2-0. So... Surprise for me because I've been really impressed with uh, Netherlands. I know the first game that they started, they looked a bit shaky defensively, but that's because De Ligt wasn't in the side. And as soon as he returned, he pretty much made the defence a bit more of a stable force and kind of helped the team in terms of uh, managing the pressure and blocking any chances from any attacks from the opposition. So for me, I was quite impressed with their performance. Uh, this one was, for, for me, it was just quite unlucky for a number of reasons. So, as I mentioned earlier, earlier I had a <laughs> LFC scout cap on. I've got it on for this match as well, as I was looking forward to watching Donya Marlin, who plays for PSV, uh, play it for Netherlands in this game, who started uh, for the first time in the tournament. And he's a player that's heavily linked to Liverpool and also Bruce Dortmund, who are looking for a potential replacement for Jaden Sancho. So a player that I've been following for a number of years, but really intrigued to see how he performed at the international level. Uh, he actually did perform really well, but unfortunately he had a very important chance in front of goal um, that could have been a game changer, but unfortunately wasn't able to score. Made a great turn and a great sprint um, off the shoulder of the defence, but unfortunately it took too long to apply that final finish and the goalkeeper managed to get the ball off him. So I've heard some fans saying that was the moment, you know, that Marlon should have scored and that would have helped Netherlands win. But at that stage, you're thinking it's just one of those chances. Maybe the next chance will go in or they'll keep attacking and we'll see how the match goes on. But the turning point was actually the lit getting the red card. So a poor decision making uh, from the defender there. Uh, that proved quite cost costly for Netherlands as they reduced their chance of progressing into the competition. 
And after that red card, I think the Netherlands just lost their structure. They, uh, they lost shape and they just lost their confidence as well at the same time. So definitely changed the game. Holesh scored a brilliant header to open the scoreline for the Czech Republic. And he's involved again in, for the second goal where he had a great run on the left-hand side, produced a great pass for Schick, who's been one of the standout strikers in the tournament. And he started the ball very intelligently into the bottom corner. So for me, Czech Republic deserved to go through, performed well and took advantage of that red card situation. Netherlands, for me, just didn't do enough, especially in the first half before the Litz red card. They didn't attack enough for me. Uh, there weren't many clear-cut chances, so I think this defeat will probably hurt uh, the Dutch fans as they were favourites to go through into the quarterfinals. Um, so for me, as I mentioned earlier, big surprise uh, for the tournament there. The next fixture, pretty much toss of a coin there, 50-50 as a two big team. Great anticipation for this uh, big match. And Belgium had a different approach uh, during this fixture, to be honest. They played very compact, didn't give much space for the Portuguese team to attack on and pretty much played on the counter-attack. So the, the way the team was set up, you, you could tell that they weren't going to leak many goals and they were going to latch on to a counter-attack, which wasn't the case. Uh, it was a special moment by Vaughan uh, Hazard, who scored a fantastic goal with a slice shot. Um, Great goal, a great moment for him and for the Hazard family there as well. Jota actually had a great chance later on, but unfortunately hit the, hit the ball over the bar. Portugal tried to make some wholesale changes within their attack. So in particular, Jao Felix came on and Andre Silva as well, who's um, a great goal scorer. But unfortunately, it wasn't enough. The closest probably moment that Portugal had was Ruben Diaz, who had a great shot. Um, or great header, I should say, from a corner. But it was straight at the goalkeeper, so pretty much an easy save for Courtois. Uh, for me, overall, Belgium deserved it. I think the game plan was perfect for this fixture. It, at this stage of the tournament, you pretty much just have to get the win. It's not really about having the eye-catching performances. So for me, I think they did well. I think they did enough. And for Portugal, look, it was always going to be a tough tie. So there's no shame in losing to Belgium. And for me, it just wasn't their day, to be honest with you. One thing I did notice after the game was Roy Keane's comments towards Yao Felix um, about his performance. For me, was just a bit harsh and a bit unnecessary. Um, I know he had a late-on chance, but it wasn't a clear-cut chance the way he made it seem like it was. So, yeah, I didn't understand those kind of opinions from him there. But regarding the Portugal team, I believe they'll be back. Um, they have an abundance of great young talent coming through and I expect them to travel, uh, sorry, I expect them to challenge uh, very soon and particularly the World Cup that takes place next year. So it's not the end for Portugal. I feel like this is their new cycle now where they're going to have new players coming through and we'll see a new team um, emerging as time goes on. So fantastic game, fantastic spectacle for, for all of us. And speaking of spe uh, spectacle games was... This game, this day was just a great day for, for all football fans. It was just immense, full of goals, full of excitement. Simply, we were just spoiled as football fans there. So it was great to see. Just got a comment here from a mental health guy. Do you think the referee has been good throughout the tournament? 
actually think it's been pretty good. There's been a couple of referees that stood out for me. The one, um, I think it was in the France game, he was the Argentinian referee. He he had a great performance. Um, I think they're doing really well, to be fair. It's, it's a nice change from the Premier League because, unfortunately, in Premier League games, the talking point is always VAR or the refereeing decisions. But I feel like under huge pressure, they've all managed quite well, to be fair. And I don't feel like they've made any hash decisions, especially when it comes to fouls or offside and if necessarily then they've had to go to a screen and have a look they've done it within their own kind of speed and their own kind of time frame so i've been quite impressed with the refereeing so i hope it continues go when it goes on to the champions league um i hope the level improvement <laughs> of refereeing improves in the premier league but yeah that's that's a big ask as well at the same time I have another comment from Mental Health Guy. Does Jota have a bad tournament concern you as a Liverpool fan? Um, not hugely, to be honest with you. Um, as he's just returned from a long injury. So even since he's come back from injury and played for Liverpool, he's not shown his best form. Um, so for me, I still don't think he's fully quite... He's not quite there yet. Um, so after this tournament, obviously a good rest will be helpful for him in terms of recovery. And I think preseason would be a great way for him to try and regain that confidence and that energy as well. And I'm sure he'll be raring to go. So as a Liverpool fan, no, I, I don't have too many concerns. Um, I think there's a lot of expectations on Jota due to the great impact he had earlier in the season last year. So I think because he has such he set such high standards for himself, people just expect him to score numerous goals throughout. So... For me, I still see him as more of an impact player or a player that we can rotate for the front three because the front three for me will remain as it is. So it's fantastic to come on in place of Mane or Firmino up front. So, so no, I'm still confident that he'll do well. And yeah, fingers crossed he'll be scoring a lot of goals for Liverpool next season. So back to the game. So... Croatia and Spain. So as I mentioned, this was this day was just a delight for all football fans as it was pure goals and pure excitement. The first goal was just a bizarre goal, to be fair. Um, on goal from Simon, the Spanish goalkeeper, who for me just didn't keep his eyes on the ball and pretty much just wasn't wasn't focused, to be honest with you. So yeah, not not <laughs> not what you'd expect to see at such um high standards. Of football right now, but Sarabia was able to equalize with a great left-footed finish. I'm quite surprised that he doesn't start more games because for, for me, he's a fantastic player and has shown great glimpses of his quality for PSG last season as well. So, but the good thing with Sarabia is that whenever he he does play or whenever he comes on as a substitute, he does make an impact. So, I feel like he fully deserves to start this game and definitely made an impact throughout the fixture. Torres was able to score um, great left-footed cross to Azpilicueta. He scored his first goal for Spain, so a special moment there for the Chelsea right-back there. And then the following goal was a great pass um, by Pau Torres, cross-field pass, about 50 yards. And then Foran Torres, great control of the ball and clinical left-footed finish, so through the goalkeeper's leg. And, yeah, really impressed with his performance um, throughout the tournament. So at this point, it's 3-1, and... Everyone's thinking, oh, Spain should comfortably go through and they just need to manage the game sensibly. 
Um, but Croatia had other ideas. They scored from close range, uh, a goal from Orosic. Uh, so at that time, it was 3-2. Uh, so the game, it was literally game one from there on. And Croatia equalised in the 91st minute. Unbelievable scenes. Great header from pa Pasalic. Um, so unexpectedly. They obviously had a bit of a comeback with the Netherlands as well. Unfortunately, they lost that fixture, but they do have that in their locker where, you know, they're not holding back from that. So, so the game goes to extra time. And then it was quite nervy for both sides. I think you could tell the energy levels were quite down, but Morata, who's been under huge pressure, scored a lethal left-footed half volley and what a goal it was. A player who thrives on confidence, so I was quite happy for him to, to score there. And then from there on, you're thinking, this is a crucial moment. Ten more minutes. Can Croatia do anything? And unfortunately, it wasn't the case. Olmo, uh, with a great cross from a deep uh, position into the box to Ayazabal, who scored it from point-blank point, point blank range. And yeah, so the game ended 5-3. What a game. Fantastic game. And credit to both teams. This is why we love football. To watch games like this, it literally had everything. So... Me personally, happy for Murata. You can tell he's a confidence player. So when he's on form, uh, he can produce special moments like he did in this match. So great for him, great for his confidence. And let's see how he performs in the next fixture. Um, and to be honest, after this match, I was thinking, ah, oh, it couldn't get any better. But the next game, to be fair, was just as entertaining, if not maybe more for the neutral fans there. France and Switzerland. So the game starts off in favour of Switzerland, who produced a great goal, great goal, great cross from uh, Zuba, and a fantastic header by Seferovic, who's been really vocal in terms of how the team has performed, and he's literally been their main main guy when it comes to getting the goals. The player I just mentioned, Zuba, was causing all sorts of havoc on the left hand side. And unfortunately, Pavel fouled him in the box, which led to a penalty. So Ricardo Rodriguez, left back from AC Milan, steps up and takes the penalty. For me, not executed really well. And Loris makes the save quite comfortably. Me personally, I'm quite surprised that Shakiri didn't step up and take the penalty, as he's such a great technician. And I feel like he would have had more confidence, more guile in terms of scoring that penalty under that huge pressure. So at that stage, you're thinking, you know, 1-0, it's not a safe scoreline. 2-0 uh, gap would have been great comfort for the Switzerland team. Um, and it, and things can change. And at that stage, there was a turning point when Mbappe passes the ball through to Benzema. The ball wasn't actually a great ball. It was behind Benzema and he was able to control it fantastically in front of him and produce a great finish with the outside of his foot. Great goal. Equaliser for France France for, for France there. And then pretty much a minute or two later, Benzema scores another goal from close range. Um, simple header into the back of the net. So that's 2-1 in quick succession. And then Paul Pogba produces an unbelievable strike from the outside of the box. The French team really turned it on from there. So you're thinking, this game's wrapped up. Pogba just scored one of the goals of the tournament right now. Conference is high. Nothing can stop this French team at that stage. But like Croatia, who were neck and neck in the previous fixture, 
Switzerland had other plans as well. So, Mbappé, a right back uh, who plays for Wolfsburg, very impressive with him in terms of how he performed. Produced a fantastic whipped cross with great pace from the right hand time, right, right hand side, sorry. And Sefrovic scoring a bullet header, fantastic goal, free. And then you had Pogba. Fortune loses possession and a Shaka with a great free ball, which was a great pass, by the way. Um, and then uh, Gavinovic, I believe, um, latches on and scores a fantastic goal of his life. A lovely finish. Great goal from uh, from the Swiss Swiss team there. And then it's 3-3 at this stage. So literally like a minute to go. Kingsley Coleman has a late shot on goal, hits the crossbar. So unlucky. That literally wrapped up the game for France. But it wasn't to be. So unfortunately, this game went on to extra time. Not many chances as I, I think the energy levels were really low. And not too many chances throughout extra time. So Pavard had a shot on goal that was saved by Sommer. And Mbappe was through on goal. Um, it was one of those ones where I feel like the right foot shot would have been a better decision. But he laid it onto his left. And he just off. He was just off balance, and just wasn't able to produce a, a, a good finish there. Um, so that led to be um, led to uh, going to penalties, and there were some great penalties there, especially Kimbembe. I didn't think he had that in his locker and just smashed it in top corner. Um, the others were great as well, but I have to be honest. When I saw Mbappe step up for that fifth penalty, he just didn't look confident to me, and unfortunately, that was the penalty that denied France from going through. Cruel way to end the game, but that's football. Um, it is just one of those things. But what a game it was. What a great advert for football in terms of the two fixtures. And me personally, I simply enjoyed every moment of those matches. So fantastic, fantastic game of football there. And then the final round of matches in the round of 16 ties, England and Germany. So... Before the game, game even started, great crowd in attendance at Wembley Stadium. Uh, it looked like a great atmosphere. I wish I was there, to be fair, as it looked electric. Um, the game itself started off a bit slow. Sterling was unlucky not to score in the first half, where he produced a great shot from the uh, from the left-hand side uh, outside the box. Great save by Neuer. Uh, Werner also had a chance through on goal, uh, saved by Pickford. And in the second half, half Havertz, also had a great shot on goal and another save from Pickford there. So at that stage, England looked pretty flat. So the inclusion of Grealish definitely helped and he made an impact straight away. So the first goal led to Grealish making a pass to Shaw. He crossed it from the left-hand side and Sterling was there to produce a neat finish to open the scoreline. Fantastic uh, goal for England. Great reaction from the crowd. But then moments later, uh, Thomas Muller was through on goal. And I just thought it was a goal. I, I, when he was through, like, if you watch Thomas Muller over the years, he doesn't miss chances like that. And I was so surprised when he dragged the ball wide. It was just an unbelievable moment. I just couldn't believe it. So that was a sigh of relief for the England team because had it been 1-1, I think it would just change the spectrum of the whole game. And then Jack Grealish on the ball, uh, dribbling on the left-hand side. Uh, great cross to Harry Kane, who scored from close range. So 
happy for Harry Kane as he's been receiving, for me, unnecessary kind of, not abuse, that's probably a strong word, but he's not getting the respect he deserves as a striker. I think he ha his form hasn't been the best, but at the end of the day, he's still working hard for the team. Um, it's his first goal of the tournament, but nevertheless, it's an important goal as it's allowed England to go through onto the quarterfinals. So, overall, fantastic game. Me personally, I don't think Germany performed really well at all. I think they were quite average. Um, they didn't really attack much, didn't really trouble the England defence. But nevertheless, you have to give credit to England. What a win, what a performance by the three Lions. And it was thoroughly deserved, in my opinion. Is it coming home? I think it might be. If I'm honest with you, they've got every chance of winning the tournament. So the route on paper seems quite easy, but you know, we know how football works. It's not always how it goes when it's on paper. So at this stage, the approach should be where they take it one game at a time and make sure they're not complacent um, in the next fixture. So for me, they have every chance of winning with the big boys like Portugal, France, and Germany out. The pathway is a bit more slower, and Netherlands as well. The pathway is quite clear for them to to go on and win the tournament. So let's see how the quarterfinals pan out. But before we preview the quarterfinals, uh, well, I'll just speak about the last fixture, which was Sweden and Ukraine. So this game, fantastic start from Ukraine. So Zinchenko opens the scoreline with a great left foot uh, strike. Arguable to say that the goalkeeper maybe could have done better, but I think. The ball was struck so sweetly by Sinchenko. Uh, it, was, it was a bit harsh if, if you think the goalkeeper would have saved that. And then Forsberg has been one of the standout performers for Sweden, scored a fantastic goal with his left foot from the outside of the box. Great equaliser for Sweden there. Isak, who's a player I've been really impressed with, um, has a great run from the right-hand side and hits a free ball to Forsberg. And Forsberg hits the post uh, so unlucky not to score there. He has a second chance as well later on in the game. Uh, hit, hits the crossbar um, after a great run from the left. Um, he, he loves to do that. That's his move. So he'll come from the left, cut inside, and then he'll have plenty of long, shot, uh, long shots towards on goal. And this one hit the crossbar. So very unlucky to score again there. Um, so the match goes to extra time. And to be fair, it looked like it was going to penalty. That both teams just... Looked like Luster, they weren't really troubling each other much. And I feel like I was getting ready to see some penalties. But Dovbik, as uh, a uh, substitute from Ukraine, had other ideas, scored in the last minute of extra time. So cruel on Sweden, unfortunately, uh, who have been fantastic in the tournament. Um, but like I mentioned, that's just the way it goes sometimes in football. So well done to Spain. I'm oh, sorry, Spain, Ukraine. <laughs> um, they always seem to find the goal at the right time. And this match was proved there as well. So fantastic performance for them. They've got an underdog mentality where they're playing without any fear um, and without any pressure. So sometimes it's good to see the, the underdogs performing well. So great game and a great round of 16 matches. So now we can go on to preview the quarterfinals. So... I'll just give you my quick predictions. Let's see. <laughs> Let's see how I do because I didn't do well in my last um, round of predictions. But we can go one by one. So Switzerland versus Spain. So 
I'm hoping there's a lot of goals in this game as the, their last fixtures had a number of goals. So mm, it's a tricky one. I'd probably go for Spain. Um, if I was to make like a scoreline prediction, I'd go for a 3 2 to Spain winning there. And then you've got Belgium and Italy, the big match there. Really looking forward to his tie, actually. I think Italy will just nick it. I think it might be like a 1-0 to Italy. Belgium might be without Kevin De Bruyne and uh, Eden Hazard as well. So that could have a big impact in their overall team performance. And I think Italy might just have too much for them. So I'm going for a slim uh, victory there for Italy. And then the next fixture, Czech Republic and Denmark. So Czech Republic surprised everyone with their win against the Netherlands. Denmark um, beating Wales emphatically 4-0. So I've, I'm going for Denmark here. I think they've got more going on. I think their confidence is quite high. And they've been scoring so many goals. It's not the first time they've scored four goals in a game. I think they've done it a couple of times in the tournament. So I'm going for a Denmark win there. And then Ukraine and England. So Ukraine are a tricky team. This won't be a walk in the park. It will be a tricky one for England. I think England will win 2-1. That's my uh, scoreline prediction there. I mentioned earlier, it might be coming home. So, you know, I can't, can't go back on my words there. But... Yeah, I, I can see England uh, winning this one. But yeah, so that wraps us up for today. So thank you for tuning in, guys. If you enjoyed the content, please don't forget to like and subscribe to our channel. I will be doing another live episode, not so long, to be fair, next Monday, 5th of July at 10 p.m., where I will be reviewing the quarterfinal matches that we've just sp spoken about. And then giving you my preview of the semi-final fixes as well. So some exciting encounters there. Just got a comment here from mental health guy. Is Southgate a better manager than he gets credit for? That's a very interesting question because I've gone on record and say I'm not impressed with him as a manager. I think he has a very cautious approach to games, but international football is a different ball game. Um Maybe his style of play suits this type of type of level type of matches um, and level of football. I probably say he is probably a better manager than he gets credit for because at this stage he's done everything right. England haven't conceded a goal. They haven't scored a lot of goal either. But at the same time, if you're not conceding and you're getting the wins here, you're doing well to progress. And it's not it's a knockout tournament, so. You can't ask for more more than that. So, yeah, I think he's probably a better manager than, than he gets credit for. But I think because he has such an abundance of talent on the bench and in the squad that he hasn't utilised as much as probably the fans would like to see. So I'll go and mention players like Jaden Sancho, who hasn't played a minute, I don't believe. Um, Saka has made a couple of appearances, so that's that's good on his part. Grealish, for me, should be starting games. Um, and I'm sure a lot of fans would probably agree with that. Uh, Mount, who hasn't been available, is pretty much in the team, but doesn't play as much as people would like. So there's a few players that I feel like, in a sort of attacking form, should be playing more games. 
Calvin Lewin hasn't really had much of a uh, chance to play. But for me, Sancho, I'm so surprised that he didn't even come on against Germany, where a lot of the players that he would have come up against would be players from the Bundesliga. So it would have been a great match for him to play and make an impact. But I have no idea as to why he hasn't played him. Uh, there were a lot of games, especially I think the latter stages for England, where they just need a bit of pace, a bit of guile, and a player that would just stretch the defence and play on the shoulder. And he, he wouldn't take up with that option. So so now back to your question. I, I do think he's probably a better manager than some believe. Listen, if he wins the tournament, he's, he's a great manager, isn't he? So there'll be no arguments with that. But definitely deserves credit. I can't I can't dispute what he's done so far. It's probably not to what I would, not to my taste, as I would like to see players like Bellingham play a bit more, Sancho to play a bit more. Um, but every manager has their favourites, every manager has their philosophy. So in that regard, you just have to respect it, and especially if he's getting the results. So let's see how the next fixture goes. As he probably mentioned in his press conference earlier yesterday, that if, if they don't beat Ukraine, this victory against Germany means nothing. So, which is probably the right approach, aim at a time, and then just see how it goes. So, yeah, interesting end to um, the round there. So, looking forward to the quarterfinals, and I'm sure everyone else is as well. But, yep, so that wraps us up for today. Uh, thank you for listening, everyone, and so I'll see you guys on Monday. Take care.